0: Well, if you're joining us for the first time, this is the beginning of a new six-week series that we are entitled, uh, we're calling, What Next? Everybody shout, What Next? We're looking at the opportunity that is available in transitions. Here's the big idea, simply this, that uh, if we engage the transitions that we go through in life God's way, those transitions will help us to grow And will help our faith to grow. We're going to talk about the particulars of that over the course of the next six weeks. So if you have Bibles, we invite you to open them to Exodus chapter 14. And we're going to just read a few of the verses uh, starting at verse 10. And just a few verses there. Thank you for standing to honor the reading of God's Word. Exodus, and it's going to also be on the screen. Okay, here we go. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Then verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Shout, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Shout amen Amen. and amen. Please be seated. Oh God. As we start this series, I thought we'd start by looking at this incredible story in the book of Exodus. As a matter of fact, if you grew up in church, you know about this story. That the people of Israel were held in captivity in Egypt for 430 years. And then they experienced a miraculous delivery as God sent Moses to them. And ultimately would go to the extent of opening up the Red Sea so that they would escape Pharaoh's pursuit on dry land. As a matter of fact, scholars who look at this passage, and even if they don't necessarily believe that the Red Sea opened up, they have to concede that something humongously powerful had to happen for this incredible event to literally shape the faith and identity of the nation of Israel for more than 3,000 years. And if you move to the Bible, you'll see this is returned to again and again, this notion of Exodus. For example, in Joshua 24, 6, it talks about how God delivered the people through the Red Sea. Nehemiah 9, 9, talks about how God delivered the people through the Red Sea. Psalms 106, 9, talks about how God delivered the people through the Red Sea. And it became a marker so that whenever the nation of Israel was unclear about where God was, was thinking about whether God had abandoned them, they would remember that God did this grand and great miracle for them. So obviously, he was on their side. So, that reminds each of us, this is one little insight I want to offer, that we all should have our own exodus moment. Ask the person next to you, do you have an exodus moment? I'm going to tell you what an exodus moment is. An exodus moment is when you you scan the landscape of the history of your life and you find those moments that you would have been dead, that you would have been down and out, that there's no explanation for why you are here other than a move of God that made the difference. That's your exodus moment. Come on, shout exodus moment. I'll give you an example. Several years ago, I was here teaching, and after I got home, I discovered that I discovered that my son, earlier that morning, had been, uh, and he was in his early twenties. He's much more mature and great. Uh, love him today. I loved him then, but he wasn't as mature. Uh, <laughs> uh, was racing, drag racing, I think, through the tunnel in Boston. Must have been doing 90 or 100 miles per hour. And, the, and something happened and the car flipped three times. Demolished. The car was demolished. And Jonathan walked away without a scratch on him. So I say to Jonathan every day, you have no excuse, man. Whenever you're thinking, does God love me? Is God for me? Has God forgotten about me? No, man. You just need to look back to that moment when the car flipped three times and you walked away without a scratch, that is an ever-living sign that God loves you, He is for you, and not against you. And I guarantee you, all of us, we may not have called it a God moment, but all of us are here because of some Exodus moment in our lives. And we ought to keep referring to it to remind us, That's the first insight. Second insight that comes out of this passage is that it is really about transition. It is about the people of Israel transitioning from slavery to freedom. It is about the people of Israel literally leaving Egypt, transitioning from uh, Egypt ultimately to the promised land. Everybody shout transitions. Transitions. And here's my point, navigating transitions in our lives is probably some of the most important and impactful work that we will ever do. Actually, I want to argue that some of the best work that God does in our lives, some of the best growing that we ever happen, that we experience in life, often happens during our transitions. Huh? Shout transitions. All right. Now, there are two kinds of transitions. One category of transitions re- represent those transitions that we choose. The other category are those transitions that choose us. Here's an example of the first. Uh, you know, you applied for that job and that promotion, and it came through. As a result, now you get a new office, new corporate, and a new corporate headquarters, a new team, and perhaps you have to move all, across, all the way across the country. Uh, To assume your responsibility, that's a transition. Or you finally got news that the baby that you've been praying for, finally you have conceived or you have signed the adoption paper. That's a transition. Or you've chosen to leave the house and now you're going to college. Or you're going into the military. Or you're getting married. Or you're starting a new business. All of these are wonderful and great yet transitions. And then there are the transitions that we don't choose. They choose us. For example, aging is one of those transitions. You know, you, you, you know, one day I went to sleep as a young adult male. And I woke up as a middle-aged man. <laughs> Can somebody say transition? I remember when I could jump out of the bed without a thought. Now, I got to be careful because, oh, always a pain right there. Oh, Lord. Let me, slow, let me just sit here for a moment. <laughs> One of my wife's patients uh, shared with her the other day. He said he was longing for the days. He's 94 years old. He said he, would, he, he was longing for the days of his youth when he was in his 70s. <laughs> Aging, that's one of those transitions that chooses us. And then there are others, you know. There's the death of a loved one or divorce, right, or sickness. that comes out of nowhere and pins us to procedures and beds for an indefinite period of time. Transitions that just choose us or the transition you remember when your parents were counseling you and buying for you and investing in your life and now you're the one caring for them because of aging. Alzheimer's has moved in with you. You're bathing them. You're taking care of their bills. Can somebody shout transitions? How we manage these transitions in in a real sense determines who we grow into who, who we become, it shapes our growth and our development. How Israel managed its transition with God made all the difference in terms of who Israel ultimately became, and their transition started in Exodus and moved all the way to the end of Second Chronicles, as they moved from being a raggedy band of slaves and tribes to becoming one of the most powerful nations in the world. Now, let me demonstrate this. Because I think this is helpful, so I want you to get this. All right, all right. Everybody, get excited. We're drawing again. And I said, "Listen. Oftentimes, we use this word. Everybody shout change. Everybody shout transition. We often use these words interchangeably. But one sociologist suggests." That change is really focused on external situations or events. Transition is a sh- is an internal shift or transformation. All right. Transition, an internal shift or transformation. Now let me illustrate. Let me illustrate. The suggestion here, here's the best way to illustrate it. When I was a teenager, uh, one of my favorite groups, the OJs, had a song that marvelously illustrates this point. Here was the opening lyrics of the song. Your body is here with me. But your mind is on the other side of town. (laughs) You're messing me around. I don't know. Y'all may not remember that, but I remember that. (laughs) All right, now let me illustrate. So here's the point. Here's what he said. You have left your ex. You've been with me for six months, right? There's been a change, external change. But while you're in the room with me, Your heart is still connected to your ex. You're still tracking her down on Facebook trying to see what's going on. Come on now. You're still showing up at old familiar places hoping that he might pop in. Come on. Your heart has not transitioned. So transition is an internal work that drives us psychologically and spiritually and emotionally into the next person. Just changing locations is not. Just changing relationships is not. Just changing titles, old slave, freedom is not transition. Does that make sense? Say amen. So when we look at this passage, it really uh, reminds us That in every transition, shout every transition, transition. there is an opportunity that manifests in at least three ways. There's an opportunity for me to go through it and come out on the other side of better me. There's an opportunity for me, even if it's a horribly negative circumstance, a divorce or a death, there's an opportunity for me to encounter a redemptive experience, how God takes that and turns it into something else. In every transition, there's an opportunity for me to come through on the other side with a deeper and more powerful faith and trust in Jesus. Shout opportunity. But in order to mine the opportunity, you've got to understand what I want to call the anatomy of transitions. And uh, in this chapter, we find what I call snippet pictures of the anatomy of transition. In verses 10 through 13 here, you find the first, there's, there's three stages, whatever your transition, whether you're aging, divorcing, marrying, having kids, going into the military, coming out of jail, whatever your transition, whatever, it, it always has three stages. Say three stages. I call these the anatomy of transition. If you understand this, you can work any. Any, any transition, the first stage, which is revealed in uh, the first three verses that we read, is what I want to uh, label as an ending. Everybody shout ending. ending. Embedded in every transition is an ending. That means there's a loss. There's a there's a death. There is a there's a there's a Turning a page, the close of an old chapter. There's an ending, and for so many of us, we are uniquely surprised to discover that in some of our most exciting transitions, there is an ending. Let me give you two examples. The first is uh, we're in transition. We're moving to a new location uh, in Redwood City. On the surface, and for wonderful reasons, the top three reasons we saw earlier. Uh, top of it is air conditioned for example uh, we're excited everybody shout excited! and yet if the truth be told I'm sure that within the family here within the community there are also feelings of sadness and some of us are trying to figure out why do I feel these feelings of sadness when in fact I'm actually excited about having air conditioner at 12 noon but then when you, when you dig deep you realize that those feelings are attached to you because there's a subconscious part of you that is picking up on the fact that that new beginning is on the on the is, is is on the behest of an old ending. Some of you got baptized in this facility. Some of you had your babies dedicated in this facility. Some of you saw your life transform where you went from not believing to believing in this facility. And now you're getting ready to exit this facility. That's an ending. Yes. Yes. It's helpful to recognize it and call it out. Now, how do I know when I'm struggling with an ending? Everybody shout how? how. I love how you ask your questions. All right. If you go back to this text, let's put verse 10 up. Watch this. There's three, three things that can cue us. They all three don't have, doesn't have to be there, but oftentimes they are. Watch this. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up in panic when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. But here's, watch what they said. And they they had some stuff to say to Moses. Here's what they said to Moses. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? And then they go on to say, they go on to say, uh, what... Didn't we tell you this would happen while we was back in Egypt? Didn't we say, leave us alone? We would prefer to have been slaves to the Egyptians because it's better to be a slave in Egypt, come on now, than a corpse in the wilderness. Now, let me ask you a question. Doesn't this kind of sound weird? I mean... For 30 years, you've been waiting to get out. You're out. And now, at the first sign of danger, come on now, you will say, why did you make us leave? Why did you pull us out? Why didn't you leave us there? So the first thing that you hear in this passage is anger. Everybody shout anger. One of the signs that you're dealing with endings is anger. The second thing in verse 13, uh, Moses calls it out. He says, Don't be afraid. So the second thing that he picks up on is that there's fear. Everybody shall fear. And the third thing that you hear in this passage is blaming. Everybody shall blame. All right, let me tell you another story. Illustrate. We're often surprised to discover in what look like exciting moments, we're dealing with endings. There's a therapist. Shared this story, true story. Had a young woman to come to their group therapy around transition. She, once she got comfortable, shared how angry she was that she was the mother of a six-month-old. And she shared the story. Here's why. About four or five years, her husband had been married. Wonderful marriage. They wanted to get have their first child. She conceived. Nine months went by real quickly. The birth happened. Baby was laid on her chest. Everybody was overjoyed. Got the baby home. And that joy left in about 24 hours. Anybody who's ever t- raised little babies, you get it. Stay up all night. Night after night after night after night. And then she looked around. The time that she used to have to spend with her husband was totally disappeared. The baby was sapping up all the time that they, that they had. And then they lost the ability to just be spontaneous. Because when they decided they wanted to go somewhere, go to a picnic, take a trip, go to a concert, they either had to track down a babysitter that they trusted or... They had to pack a bag. Come on now. They had to get the diapers. They had to have a change of clothes in the diapers. They had to make sure that the baby was, was wrapped up perfectly right. They had to make sure the car seat was in. The baby was buckled in and get all the things that you need. They couldn't leave home for it. It took an hour. Don't, don't have twins. <laughs> She was angry. She couldn't figure out why she was angry. She was frustrated. She couldn't figure out why she was frustrated. But what was really going on, she was wrestling with an unrecognized ending. Because the life she had before that child was born was gone. She needed to be able to acknowledge that. And she was embarrassed to share with anybody because she thought of it. She shared how she felt with people. They said, look, it's exciting to have a young baby. You must be crazy. And she was afraid, shame to share because she saw other people managing their babies seem to be doing just well. All right, here's an insight. Only Superman has x-ray vision. Come on, tell the person next to you, only Superman has x-ray vision. All right, so here's what this means. You can look at my house, but you can't see in my house. You can look at my life, but you can't see into my life. So never be deceived by what you think is happening on the inside. Because the reality is anybody who's ever raised little kids, come on now, they may be making it look easy, but I guarantee you it's not easy. (laughs) Celebrate, that's right. It's not easy. You know it. She was wrestling with an ending that she just didn't know that she was wrestling with. It fills her with shame and guilt and anger and blame. You can feel that. You can hear the arguments that's happening between her and her husbands now, and you hear anger and you hear blame. You hear this notion of fear that what we lost will never have again. That we see ourselves drifting apart. This fear is really this this anticipation of the future. Everybody shout an ending! Now here's the problem. A lot of us, we just don't do endings well. And if you look back over the landscape of your life, you and I, we have left a series of incomplete endings. And the way we mess up on endings, come on now, has a way of undermining our ability to navigate healthily transitions. So that when we're going through a transition, changing locations, or dealing with a new baby, we, we, we're just poor with endings. So we're subconsciously dealing with them the way we do. Incomplete. Shout, incomplete endings. All right? Then if you look at verses 21 and 22 in the same chapter, you'll find a story how God uh, sends a wind, the, the waters pull back, And the the children of Israel walked through. I actually think they were running through on this new path. I call this the middle passage. Because once we work through our ending, we have to go through this middle passage. And the middle passage is that space where there's confusion where your sense of identity has been fractured and broken because the, 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 the loved one that died, you knew who you were in relationship to her or to him. Now you just don't know who you are. The divorce has happened, and you knew who you were in relationship to your partner. Now it's not clear who you are. And so there's a shattering of identity, the confusion that comes about, the ambiguity that happens. And, 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 and if you think about it in terms of the children of Israel, they, they, here they are rushing through that path. The Egyptians are behind them. So they're not walking, y'all. They're not walking. They're not just, oh, wow, this is nice. No, 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 they're not having a casual stroll. No, they're rushing. And I would imagine that some of them thinking, I don't know when I'm going to make it. This, everything that's around me may just cave in on me at any moment. And if I do make it and I'm not a slave, who am I? And so that's the middle passage. Then last is what I call the stage of a new beginning. A new beginning. Shout new beginnings. new beginnings. Whatever the transition is. Recovering from an addiction. Whatever the transition is. These three stages exist. An ending, middle passage. If you can work through the middle passage, there's something new can emerge a new chapter. Here's where it shows up in the text. They get through on the other side. The water caves in. Egyptian army is destroyed. Moses' words come to fruition. He says, when the day is over, these Egyptians, you will see no more. And with that finality, the chapter closed on the Egyptian Slave saga. Never again would they have to worry about that. So that chapter closed, shall it closed, which means a new chapter started. Now, if, I, if I'm aware of this, even when I'm struggling here and here, if I just know that embedded in every ending is a new beginning, it gives me a sense of hope. So let me finish this here. One of the reasons why it is so difficult. Oh, here's what we're gonna do. So I, I'm gonna end in a few minutes today. I'm gonna come back next week and I'm gonna talk about how do we nav how do we how do we handle these incomplete endings? How do we uh, h- how do we work our endings better? And then after that, I'm gonna spend two weeks on how to navigate these middle, this middle passage, how to how to how to how to handle when my, my identity has been shattered. And then the final two weeks, I'm going to talk about how to engage the new beginnings. Everybody shout, keep coming back. Come on. (laughs) Stay with this. All right, here's where I want to close this out. One of the reasons why it's so difficult to work the endings is because our identity is often related to our roles, our responsibilities, and the rituals and routines of our lives. They're tied together. So that even when those, when those things change, even if we wanted to change, there's still a part of us that longs for what's familiar. Quick example. The wife had been complaining. My husband pays me no attention, she says. Month after month, year after year. Finally, the husband comes home with two dozen roses. No anniversary, no special occasion, just to say I love you. The moment she sees it, she goes, hey, what's up? What you about to tell me? What you done done? What you want? And it is reminiscent of the fact that when the other person changes, and if he begins to pay attention to you, it becomes problematic in a confusing way because now you no longer have the excuse of his inattentiveness to explain why you're so mean to him. Now, with his, his issue moved out of the way, you are now forced to deal with you. This is what's going on here, guys. Listen, when you're enslaved in Egypt, You get a place to live, you don't have to worry about where you're going to live. You get food to eat, you don't have to worry about who's going to feed you. Come on now. You've you've got relative safety. The Egyptian army will protect its slaves. But the moment you transition out of slavery, now you got to start worrying about your own safety. Come on now. And your own food and and all of these things. And it makes you say, a part of you says, I want that. But another part of you says, no, no, no. Why did you make me come out of Egypt? If this makes sense, say amen. All right, so here's where I'll end. They did a recent study. And among the transitions in life, one of the hardest transitions to make is for war combat veterans to transition from military service to civilian life. And so they tracked them because they wanted to know what was the factors that aided those who succeeded. And what they discovered, hands down, was that the categories of veterans that successfully navigated that transition almost always were people of faith. And the more regularly they attended a faith community the more successful they were at driving through the transition. Now, everybody shout, why? Why? I love how you ask your questions. Because here's what happens. When you find yourself in a place where the problems are bigger than you can handle, and the uncertainty is more than you can figure out, if you believe that the God of the universe who is bigger than your biggest problem, is on your side and is with you and ahead of you. Come on now. You have the ability to keep making your way through the the, the, the path of the Red Sea. Come on now. Because at the end of the day, You believe that he is for you, is greater than anybody who's against you. At the end of the day, you believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. At the end of the day, you believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can make it. And you create space in your life for God to do the impossible. As you work through your endings and transitions. Give God a hand praise. All right, so take out your connection card. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And in response to the message, I'm going to give you, this is a tough challenge I'm about to give you. Listen up. I'm going to challenge you to take this week, take a notebook, and I want you to to survey the endings in your life start back in a childhood maybe it was a death that happened that was traumatic maybe as a teenager, abuse took place that stole innocent from you maybe early life there was a divorce about with sickness it was an ending how do you handle look at you're trying to get a figure how do i react to endings some people will grieve and cry and work it through. Is that you? Is that? Do you see that in your... Others will immediately go to business. So if there's a death, they'll start handling the funeral arrangements and so forth and so on. And they will, they will shut it off. Is that you? Is that how you handle it, endings? Or if that's too deep, I want you to say, just check this out. Think about the ending of this gathering. How do you handle it? When it's over... Do you linger and share, or do you try to get out and away? It says something about how we handle no endings. In the evenings, when you go to your dinner party, whatever the case is, do you hang around and talk, or you try to get out before everybody else? When you change a job, do you, do you take time and say goodbye to everybody and work through the pain, or do you try to get away before you have to deal with that? just think about your endings take a notebook just start writing them down here's here's an ending and write here's my reaction be honest because that will set you up for next week when I come back to try to help you to make the transition how do I deal better with my endings amen so I hope you I hope you'll take this challenge under the response put I'll examine my endings you flip the card over, you get a chance to say, yeah, I brought Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be baptized. There are some choices there. Take a few seconds as he plays. Listen. Listen. What's God saying to you And right? Take a step with that card. Get ready to turn it in. I shout amen. All right, so here's what we want you to do. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I hope you turn that card in as your commitment. Say, hey, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board. I'll be back here next week. If you know some friends that need to hear this, get them back in with you. And uh, get ready to have some donuts and coffee out there. And remember that every day you're supposed to be praying four minutes a day for folks that you're inviting to join us in the month of August. If you need an invitation card, we have tons of invitation cards. If you run out, you've been passing them out inviting, stop by the table and get some. And if you're not serving yet, make this the weekend that you go online and sign up to serve because we need you. Everybody standing. But the biggest challenge I want to say in a few moments, also if you need prayer, there's going to be some people going to come up here and pray for you. But here's the biggest challenge. Before you leave, I want you to just take a few moments and hug about two or three people. I promise it'll be sweeter than the donuts and coffee waiting for you. God, meet us as we confront our incomplete endings and help us in Jesus name. Amen.